Hey everybody, it's um, Patrick, uh, it's Dog Training with Patrick Furlan. Um, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that uh, this this one's probably not going to have so much to do with dog training as much as it is to do with um, just my personal feelings on like empathy and and what happens when you build an amazing relationship and then you have to say goodbye. So the grieving on this one for me is just recent, where yesterday I put my dog down on the 19th of June. Uh, Snickers had hip dysplasia and was suffering from pressure sores that now were getting infected and um, there was just nothing that was going to be able to be done to help solve the infections because he wouldn't get up and, and walk around or move very much. And so, you know, I, I think I think for me, um, understanding where Snickers was, was an amazingly hard thing to, to come to terms with. And I think a lot of us come to terms with um, different things um, differently than than most people, um, and so these and these last this last month's been kind of kind of a wild ride for me. I I left my career job um, knowing that Snickers was going to be this 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 part of the process was going to be dealing with Snickers and um, understanding that that was going to be okay. Uh, so I went in that with my eyes wide open and just really enjoyed this last month that I got to spend with him. And so for me, that that was awesome. And I was very happy to go through this with him and be able to have this last month where I was able to pretty much lay with him, do whatever I wanted to do. Um, no, he couldn't go on any walks or anything like that, but it was a... Uh, it was just a good experience to be with him. And now I kind of go through the process of letting go and moving on, um, allowing this part of us to not be over, but take on a different direction. And I think for me, that's kind of the way I have to look at it. You know, he's been there with me since I was a very young man. For, you know, when I graduated college, I moved out and literally a few months later, I think in the month of April, um, I ended up getting him, and I had moved out at the beginning of January, so I'd been on my own for about four months, decided that it was time to get a dog. Actually, it was, you know, my ex-wife was the one who talked to the landlord at the time, because at the time I wasn't allowed to have any dogs, but the my ex-wife took enough courage and kind of surprised me. Um, well, probably one of the nicest things anyone had ever done, where they just kind of took matters in their own hands and um, understood that that was what I wanted. And uh, I think I always talked about having a German Shepherd, and that was kind of a dream of mine. And to be able to have that dream come to fruition by my landlord saying yes, because I thought I was going to be in that uh, place for about you know, a whole year, you sign a whole year contract, and then you expect the rules to be the rules, so I'm not sure exactly how that conversation ended up going, but 
I'm thankful the conversation ended up going the way that I wanted it to go. Uh, you can't always think that there, everything will go your way, but in this particular time it did. And I got Snickers when I was 23. I um, got him at a pet store. A lot of people probably don't feel very good about that. I, I really didn't know a lot uh, when it came to pet store stuff. You know, I didn't realize that, you know, a lot of the dogs came from, you know, breeders, a lot of inbreeding, and dogs weren't kept healthy, and, you know, just a bad mess when they end up at a pet store. I mean, I did get a pedigree, did get the papers on the dog and everything, never really did look into it very much because it, it didn't matter. I got him out of there. Um, I took him home. He was the cutest dog ever. He had this floppy ear. He was a little floppy-eared pup, um, full of energy and life. I remember that first night he, you know, was sleeping. Um, we we put up like a barrier, you know, in the kitchen because he wasn't potty trained, so, you know, we didn't want him going on the carpet. And I remember this this night being pretty pretty dosh darn difficult because um, we didn't have any furniture at the time. I think we had a couch and a chair, but we had no bed. I had no bed. I had no computer chair, no nothing. I mean, like when I say I had nothing to sleep on, I really did unless I slept in the slept on the couch. So my bedroom was pretty much, my both my bedrooms were pretty much empty. I didn't have anything. And I put Snickers in the kitchen where the, where there was linoleum floor. So if you did make a mess, it was easy to clean up. And I remember that night being one of those things where you sit there and go, <laughs> will he ever stop whining? Like literally put him in there and he would just whine, 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 whine. And then, you know, we made the decision to let him come out and lay with us and um and when he did he 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 just fell right to sleep he was just happy you know and um and he went right to sleep never 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 ever left our side again my side um as the years went on he always slept next to me it didn't matter if i had another child it didn't matter if i um got another dog it, it didn't matter he was always there and um our relationship was rough that first year I had no idea how to train a dog had no idea how to have any type of relationship with a dog I was very one-sided I, I wanted a special relationship and a special bond with that dog and I wasn't willing to work for it or earn it sorry I'm just enjoying my coffee this morning <laughs> And I, and I just didn't know where to start, you know. I, all my relationships in my life leading up to this point with Snickers were very much do you, you know, worry about yourself, work hard, do the best grades you can get in school. Um, and, you know, I never took a class on relationships. I guess that's what you're supposed to get when you're in the home. And I know there was a lot of friction um, with my family and my parents and, um, and their parents. And I didn't have a lot of, um, support, I guess, growing up. I mean, I know I was loved. I felt that. I felt, I know I was loved. Um, but as far as that teaching of how to do that and that example, 
um, was very difficult. Like, how do you give to something and not expect a return? And those things are very difficult um, to to try and come to terms with, especially when you're just starting out and you're trying to find yourself and you never owned a dog and you never took care of another animal, never took care of anything other than yourself. I mean, I was the youngest of three boys. The most I learned about taking care of anything was from my brothers who took care of me most of the, a lot of the times when my parents worked or when my mom worked and um, my brother would make me mac and cheese and then taught me how to do it. And, you know, I, I think a lot growing up, maybe I learned a lot from my, my brother. Um, Daniel, unfortunately, wasn't in the home as much until later on in high school, but I think it was just always like me and my, me and my other brother, um, where he really kind of took care of me and I don't know if it's something he wanted to do or felt good about doing or had some resentment but his ability to see past things I always admired because I don't think I could have at his age with where I was at actually I know I didn't because when I was his age I didn't do that for anybody else so I got this dog, you know, this German Shepherd, and we named him Snickers, and um, we start going and going throughout our life, and life starts to happen, and all I've ever read, and, you know, this is when the Dog Whisperer was in super, um, super mainstream mode, you know, everybody's watching it every single Friday night, you know, it come on, it was a new episode, and you're wondering how he's going to fix this dog, and everything else, so I thought dominance was the main thing, you know, I didn't really understand um, leadership at that point, what he was trying to explain, you know, he used a lot of aversion training, which, you know, I think training works, training works, you know, it's not a, it's not something that, that you can sit there and, and look at and say, oh, it doesn't work, you know, I think, I think at a lot of times um, things things do work, and and I've explained that in a lot of my blogs that certain techniques do. But I would, you know, practice rolling him over and the wrestling that we did. It always ended with me being the winner and the top aggressor, and um, thought I was doing the right things to to make sure that Snickers knew that I was the one that was in control. And um, as time went on. You know, he was just a bear to walk. He was, he would frustrate me. I would do these harsh corrections with him. Um, I was just, I was not a good owner. I had no information. I, I, the information I did have, I was like, that takes too long. That's not good. All this kind of stuff. And and when I sit there and I look back on it now, and I sit there and have those thoughts of, oh my gosh, this takes too long, or this isn't going to work, or this is just hopeless and feeling that way um I look back at it now it's like what's six months for the rest of the dog's life to be able to have a clear understanding of what you need from him and he has a clear understanding and you have a clear understanding of what he needs from you and I remember I woke up one day and I had just lost my temper with him, and he was scared, and he was just laying flat on his side, like, please don't touch me, and uh, I'm so scared. And I remember something 
transpired in me that day, and it never turned back. I never turned back. And from that day on, I tried to... I, I started to be as understanding, and empathy really started to kick in because he couldn't talk and he couldn't speak, and I was being an aggressor, and he was kind of suffering in this silence. It was not a good feeling to know that I had that much control over something and that I was not primarily, you know, throw it out there, the word is abusing him. And... um because I wanted something from him. I was selfish. I was not understanding. And after that day, I think he may have been like five months old at the time, five, six months old. Um, I tried to start changing and learning and doing different things. And um, we had another setback later on after about a year old when he attacked me in the kitchen I had the trash can lid and I threw it at him and broke him off of his food and was so scared because at the time, you know, me and the girl I was with, we we were, you know, talking about marriage and talking about, you know, what's going to be like when we have kids and that this dog's going to be with us when we have kids and it's scary and that we need to do something and, you know that he's gone off the deep end and, and the reality was he was a he was a product of what I made him. He was a very insecure, very scared dog. Uh, very scared he didn't know what my approach was like. He completely lost all trust in me when I would approach him. And so I found a dog training school online and Currently, that's what my certification is, but it's not my thought process, I guess, at the end of the day. Uh, my thoughts and my real training came on the job and and through the books that I've read. I've read aversion training books. I've read all the Caesar books that are out there. Well, most of them. Um, I think he keeps coming out with more and more, but they kind of they kind of have the same information. A lot of them have the same information in there. Um, as far as, like, the technique goes, um, the stories are different, um, and I always enjoy reading some of the stories, and if, and I, if you want to get a book, it is a really good book, um, his first book was really good, it was a, an American story, you know, um, and the techniques in there, you know, for aversion training and social pressure and things like that are, are helpful, um, and, and the most helpful thing I think I got out of that book was, how to discipline without emotion. And I think that was the, there was one nugget that you pick up. If you don't agree with the training methods and you don't agree with anything else, the one nugget that you pick up out of that book is how to actually implement the, like the feeling behind the discipline, that it's not personal, that it's just, that it's just the way it is. And now you're going to teach the dog and then you're going to give the dog confidence when you teach it. I think that was probably the biggest thing that I got out of the book. I couldn't do the sh or the jab or anything or anything like that, you know. It just wasn't me as a trainer. And he always says, you know, there's always another way. There's always, his way is not the only way. And he's absolutely right. And I think that was one of the things that I think I respect. I respect him about is because he was so open about it. You know, he wasn't trying to hide how he did anything. I mean, my gosh, he was like, I think he blew up 
the way dog training, you know, he he blew up dog training in a way that he made it mainstream. Like I feel like now there's like eight trainers around me, um, where before you'd be lucky to find one or two, or if you did find them, it was kind of like you had to search for them. Nowadays, you type in dog training, it's like all of a sudden everything comes up. But um, so I start going through all this stuff and I start looking for dogs and dog training and. Um, and, and what would be a good school to go to and I found one and, you know it was all about positive reinforcement and I and I enjoyed it I, I learned a little bit of, as far as how to like teach dogs cues but you know the one thing that I think it fell short on was teaching you and making and, and teaching you the understanding of why those things work what is what is the reason and when I read back through the books and stuff that they gave me to read um, it was all in there I just I did, my mindset was just different, and I think that's, you know, sometimes you're like a rock, and you can lay in water and not absorb anything, and I think, you know, nowadays, I'm so open, and I read a lot that I can see different things, and like I like to say that Snickers' progression from being territorial and aggressive with food and aggressive with toys and aggressive with people and aggressive with dogs, and as over the years start to fly by, he settles you know eventually I can have family over again and I'm no longer this prisoner in my own home with this dog or afraid to take him to get boarded which he never did get boarded so if you can imagine um, the times that I did leave having somebody come out and stay with him the scaredness that I did have because I would have specific rules that say okay when he's eating just let him be because I don't know how he will react with you with me if I tell him to, to step off his food he will um, but he only learned to do it with one person. He never really learned to do it with more than one. So it was always one of those things that th those behaviors were in there and they were learned. So if he didn't trust you, those those old behaviors would come out if I wasn't around. If if I was around, he would always look back to me and allow me to make the decision of what's going to be acceptable and what's not. And that was one thing that I really started to learn and pick up cues on when I started training more and more and working with more and more people. Um, it was definitely, definitely one of those um, processes in place that I really learned a lot. And I, I think when I look back with SNCC and when I look back with training techniques, and I do a little bit of everything. I, you know, I do some adversion training and I do some a lot of positive reinforcement. I, I believe in marking behaviors more now than I ever have believed in the past, because I think honestly that's that's where it all stems down to. What do you mark? And what's the reward for the dog? Because if, if you mark it at the right time, since dogs are so very reactionary, they, they will give you something in return. They will want to do that behavior again because they're like, shoot, if I do it like this again, I know I'm going to get, maybe I'll get turkey again. And if you create that habit, the dog will offer those behaviors back to you when they want something from you. So maybe it's attention. Maybe it's they want to go for a walk. Maybe... You know, but they will figure out a way to kind of like manipulate, but in a healthy way, um, not in a growly way or anything like that. And I think working through those behaviors and kind of like peeling back the layers to find that Snickers was so insecure and so, and so nervous and scared was really hard to look in the mirror and know that that was something that I created in him. He was a very confident dog in the beginning, and all he wanted to do was be loved and to lay next to us and wanted that human contact and that human interaction. And when the human interaction was not the same way, it 
really messed with his confidence. And it was more about not necessarily him protecting me, which he did, though. He would go in that protection mode, but he was worried more about, in the early part of his life, protecting himself from his own family. And I think, which was me, um, which what I think is, when I look back on it, is the saddest thing. And one of the biggest things that I'm so glad I was able to change with him because I never wanted him to have that feeling that he couldn't trust me and that this bond was just something that was all one-sided. And I and when I look back now and I and I understand where he was coming from and I was able to change that and take him to obedience class and I could take him out and about and him not be upset with people or other dogs or other people that came in my home and he allowed them to be there and actually wanted to play and go get his rope toy to play tug of war and if you let him win and then he would play you know the game of see if you can grab the toy before I put my mouth on it you know it was just he had so much personality after we were able to peel back the layers on him and tell him there was a different way and and ultimately tell him that I was sorry you know that I didn't know any better and to do that and to tell him that I was sorry I didn't know any better was to give him everything he needed and not expect a lick in return. And I, and I truly didn't. You know, it ended up becoming mutually beneficial because I learned, you know, through every walk. And when we, taught, when we started walking good next to each other and we did it every single day, I got to clear my head. I got to meditate on my time. I got to be the man and do different things. Like, it made sense to me. And as I was doing these things and not realizing the big return I was getting, I realized one thing that, you know, it was no longer a chore to go leash him up and take him outside. It was something that I wanted to do. It was something that I was like, I need to do this because I feel better at the end of the day. And after I feel better at the end of the day, then all of a sudden, you know, he comes back and he's tired and he's worked hard and we'll work obedience out there and we'll go through different challenges and we'll go up and down the the alleyways and all the dogs dogs barking and some dogs loose and he'll have to work and try and ignore and choose the right choose choose what I wanted him to do and what I needed from him and he would have to work really hard and then he would get rewarded handsomely for it and and then when we come home, it was like he was tired, and, and I'd sit on the couch or whatever and maybe watch some TV after getting home from a nine-hour shift at work and then working with him for another hour, hour and a half, and then eventually sitting down and finally maybe watching a show or something, and he would climb up there after he cooled down, and he would just lay with me. You know, It was just like when you know that things are changing, um, and, you're, and it's a slow process, you know, don't get me wrong, it was years of work because... I was working on myself as much as I was working on the dog. And that's something that you don't just fix overnight because you know when you when you hear me when I go out and do different training and things like that with people, I work a lot with the person. And so how quickly I can make them understand whatever way they're doing is not as beneficial or teaching them a different way and getting them all bought in on it and then them seeing results right then and there. I think for me, for the dog, when I can communicate and teach a certain way, it allows the relationship to streamline. If I would have had somebody that could work with me back then, the way that I feel like I can work with people now, 
I totally would have been bought in, but at that time either I didn't trust people. I didn't trust anybody. I didn't want to spend that kind of money on the training. I believed it was something that I could learn and do. And I believe it was something that I feel like if I would have went out and got the information, like I was saving my dog. I wasn't sitting there paying somebody for a service to tell me that I fucked up. Like I knew that I fucked up. So I didn't want to go out and pay for something that I knew that I was doing wrong. Um, I needed something that to help me go, I, you know you were wrong, that's great. This is what we're going to do to fix him. This is where we're going to go. This is how we're going to do it. This is where he's at. He's not a lost cause. You're not going to have to put him down. He's not facing, like, you know, he's a two-bite offender. You know where he's at, you know. And I think for me, for me personally, I made the right decision. He was the reason I got into all this. You know, and keep moving forward and keep the pace. And now that I'm doing this as a way of life and to make a living, instead of having this job on the side that paid bills and gave me a, a great life, now I'm struggling every day to make a, a sell in a way. You know, it's like, but at, at the end of the day, I'm so much more involved and I'm so much more engulfed in the art of training and it's not really the art of training but the the ability to build a relationship and to show people that it's possible and to give everybody things that I have inside of me that I will learn lessons on and this what this dog gave me was a lifelong lesson of how to build a good healthy relationship how not to turn your back when things have gotten hard how to know that you made a decision to bring this guy into your home. You made a decision to treat him the way that you treated him. You made those decisions. And to know that if you let him go, to sit there and say, well, I can't work with this dog anymore, and let him go, and he goes into a shelter, knowing that nobody was ever going to adopt him out. He was probably going to be um, destroyed in the shelter system and the fact that he wouldn't have any idea of what he had done wrong again now to deserve no family and so for me that line of empathy that I had for him for myself um, changed the way that I felt about a lot of things in my life and I'm so glad he stayed and I'm so glad he lived the rest of his life with me and I'm so glad it was me that was able to be there at his last breath. And I want you guys to understand that it's so easy to give up. It is so easy to give up on your dreams. It is so easy to give up on a friendship. It is so easy to just let go. It is so easy. What's hard is staying through and making it work. What is hard is to tell all these problems that you're having and know that you caused them. And what is hard is to accept the accountability of what is happening. And what is hard, the hardest thing to do is after you accept those things, to change, to not go back, to work day in, day out, to get where you want to be, to be who you want to be, to live that life to develop the bonds with the foundation of circle of trust of people that you have around you, the people who build you up, the people who 
help you through the hard times. My, my thing for you is you don't let those people go ever. You don't let that dog go ever because where would you be if you started to work with this dog and you gave up? Where would you be four years later with this dog? How close would you be? What would be the transition stage where you sit there and said, my God, look where we've come. Look what we've created. Look how much we've done together. Or would you look back in the loss of regret and say, I wonder where he's at. I wonder what family got him. I wonder if he's with a family. I wonder if the next time I'm ready to get a dog, if I'll pass him in the shelter and not even recognize him. I ask you, not for a call of action, but more so a call of empathy for you and for your dog. If you're having trouble out there, if you're unsure of what to do, just pick up a phone and call somebody. I will talk to you for free. I believe that there is something greater in the relationship with you and your dog when it seems so hopeless, when the clouds don't seem to part and see the sun. But I ask you, don't give up then. It's not the right time to give up. It's not the right time to feel hopeless. Because the sun is shining above those clouds. You just can't see it because you can't absorb it because you're not understanding what is happening. You're not seeing from an objective side. An objective, you're seeing from a point of, I don't have any hope. And there's always hope. Hope doesn't just fade away into the night. Hope is always there. Hope is what we hang on to when the rains come. And, the, and, the, and it seems like the moon will never shine bright again. And the sun won't come up. But knowing that you've experienced it. And knowing what is out there. And knowing that somebody else experienced it. And knowing that if somebody else can experience the same love and the same bond and the same relationship that I did, that somebody else can experience it too. And I, and I ask you, I know that you have different circumstances in your life. And I know that there's other things out there that maybe they don't, they, they're not the same as what I went through. And I'm not expecting them to be the same. I'm not expecting the environment and the circumstances and the dog and the and the people that are in your life to be the same as they were with me because it was an ever-evolving evolution. You know, some of the foundation and the people that I had in my life were no longer there. I had to let them go. Not because of me not being able to develop and be the bond and be the person that I needed. they needed me to be, but because I know that at the end of the day, when I'm dealing with another person, it's not about the reactions. It's not about the dog. The dog is already there for you. All you have to do is tell them what you need. When you're dealing with a person, you're dealing with a lot of different variables because of the emotional intelligence of a person and the variables and the ranges and the, and the, and the ability for a person to have different objectives or not know why they do things and they don't know how to objectively look at who they are in the mirror. Um, sometimes you have to leave. And 
But with a dog, you don't have to leave. You have to just look in the mirror and say, what am I not giving for this dog to turn around and then eventually give me everything and more? So please, whatever it is that you're going through with your dog, it's not, it's not one-sided. The dog is going through it too. He's reacting to it. So stay in the fight. Stay in it. Stay in it. Learn from it. Ask yourself those questions. What am I not giving? What could I be doing differently? Who am I being around him or her? And at the end of the day, be you. Just be who you are. Be who the man you want to be. Be the woman you know you can be. And allow it to happen. Thank you. Until next time, guys. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening if you listened. And I'll hit you on the next podcast. I appreciate it. And this one's dedicated to the dog that I loved very much. The end of an era. He lived uh, through all the other dogs that I've had in between. He was the first. He was that last in that era of my 20s and my mid-30s. He helped me battle cancer. I think without him, I don't think I would have made it. He was there for all 12 rounds. He was there through my reintroduction to work. My son was also there, but he was there during the treatments. Um, my transition through back to work, my transition when I left work to do this work full-time, he was there to help me change the course of my life. And for those things, I'm forever grateful. And my God, I pray that you ever find a dog that is that for you. Because if I never get another dog that does this for me, I know deep down inside my life is fulfilled because I had the experience to know that I had it. And I also have the experience to know that it can happen again. So don't feel hopeless. Stay true to you. Love like you've never loved before. And be the person the dog needs you to be. Because it's at the end of the day, it's what the world needs you to be. And thank you. And God bless.